Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of I Like to Read with me, your host, Rachel Polanski. What's up, y'all? Um, I do it for the, the visual viewers. Said that one right this time. I, you know, I do have a little bit of wet hair, and speaking of hair, it has been since July. Actually, that's a lie. End of June since I've had a haircut. So we're looking at about almost six months. Um, never fear, however, I do have a haircut booked for when I go back to Boston in just a couple of weeks. Um, so it's it's just a lot more inexpensive there and I'm just kind of lazy about it. It is definitely reaching the peak where it's like I like the look of the long hair, but it's just such a pain that I have it up like all the time and I just need like a little bit of a trim, a little more shape. And I did throw on this lovely H&M cat print dress for you that I picked up a few years ago at an H&M outlet. It may not have been like an exact outlet, but like it was located at some outlets. So anyways, we're here to talk about um, the five books that I have read in the past week. This week, we're giving you a little bit of a pairing. Instead of wine and cheese, we are giving you a book and film pairing. So with each of these books, I've also selected a film that I have previously seen that I think, you know, fits the aesthetic in one way or another. And I'll get into detail. Some of these movies have come out recently. I tried to do all 2021 movies, but you know, COVID and I haven't seen as many movies as I have in the past. I'm definitely just much more into TV because of the lack of going to the movie theaters too much. And like, that's a whole exploratory thing that we could talk about, but that's more media-based than book-based. But anyways, for those who enjoy multiple forms of media, you will get a pairing to go with both. So without further ado, our first book that we are talking about is Girl Like a Bomb by Autumn Christian. This one I really don't know how I found, um, and I say that because it came out in 2019, so almost March 2019, so like two and a half, almost three years ago, which if you are a regular viewer slash listener, you know that, hey, that's kind of old. That's almost ancient for Rachel. So I don't know how I found it. Um, It was available on Kindle Unlimited, which I had for a long time, but since having the LA Public Library and getting books from there for free, I stopped getting, but I like re-signed up for a free trial. So I was able to get the book for free. So if you have Kindle Unlimited, you can get it for free also. Or if you don't have Kindle Unlimited, I think it's only $4.99 to buy. Um, or if you haven't done Kindle Unlimited yet, how many times can I say that in a row? You can check out the free trial. Um, Girl Like a Bomb, our main character, Beverly Sykes, what a name. The first time that she has sex with someone, it changes his life. And not necessarily in the sense that like, oh my God, you are the best sex I've ever had. But like literally he goes from like being a shithead to having like the best life ever. And that seems a little weird, but maybe, you know, circumstances happen, things change. But it turns out that everyone that Beverly has sex with has their life changed for the better. Um, she is able to, like, unlock this visceral soul deep inside people through having sex. So while that sounds, like, really cool, um, it, the knowledge of that quickly spreads and leads her to a career in the spotlight and using that sexual power um to make money and the way it's just a really cool concept in the sense that you know the way that women's bodies are portrayed and the way that sex work is portrayed is not often seen like this where we get to see the pleasurable benefits for the quote-unquote customers the people coming to her to have sex but not for pleasure in the sense of like a sexual pleasure however they do have to have an orgasm in order to like experience her powers but the transfer of her like magical angel you know people almost like refer to her as an angel the toll that that can take on it human being to you know literally have your body be used as like a vessel for power the emotional and physical toll that that takes on her as you can imagine is quite something 
um, she also is quite young when this happens. So like not only is she discovering her sexuality as any young woman would, but when you add this incredible power to it, and it's also told in a very raw, you know, despite it being a more supernatural, you know, almost superhero like figure, um, Beverly is much more grounded and much more realistic. And uh, like I keep saying raw and visceral, but I really think that this book was, it's definitely explicit. There's definitely, you know, there's some sexual assault, there's some domestic violence, there's definitely, you know, it's not light by any means, but it's a really cool concept, you know, what if you having sex with, you had, you know, what if someone had sex with you and that you give them the power, you know, you have the power to change someone's life by having sex with you, there we go. Um, And so the film pairing that I have with that is Teton, which came out this year, I um, actually won the Palme d'Or at the Cannes Film Festival. That is about a young woman who has sex with a car and becomes pregnant with having by having sex with that car. Um, how and you know I don't want to give too much away, but she's also involved in some fucked up murders that lead her to like betray her identity and assume the identity of a young boy while she is pregnant. So there's as you can imagine, there's a lot of weird visceral body stuff with that, especially in terms of playing like with what the concept of sex mean, what the concept of female pleasure means, what the idea of the female body is, particularly when it's looked at like by the viewer and what it's like to sort of otherize the woman. Um, That I think is now on VOD. I was lucky to see it enough in theaters. If you can watch it on the big screen, it's definitely not like a watch on your phone film. It's definitely like a very visual, again, a very visceral, intense, um, raw, literally one of the director's films is named Raw, and that's also a fantastic horror film. It's French, it's subtitled, but the way the, it's also a thriller, (laughs) really cool, really weird, very like Cronenberg body horror. Um, So if any of that interests you, check out one of those pairings. Our next book that I am talking about is, you know, are we, I, what are, what are pronouns? <laughs> what are, what is, what are tenses and groups and all, you know, the royal we, what, are, what is the third person? Who knows? Our next book is Tacky Love Letters to the Worst Culture We Have to Offer by Rax King. This is a collection of essays, um, as you can tell the title about what is tacky. Um, Rax King is an author who has been on my perimeter ever since I took a catapult class, um, like a year and a half ago over the summer about nonfiction writing. And so then that got me interested in Catapults, which is more of like an indie publication for both books and nonfiction and fiction writing. I read one her, one of her nonfiction pieces about an ode to this really wonderful tacky pirate bar, but also like the love that she had about it. Um, and so while she doesn't have that essay included in this book, there's definitely lots of odes and a lot of her style. I also follow her on Twitter and think she's a really great, you know, social media personality that fits my aesthetic and vibe of sort of like, you know, saying the things that everyone's thinking, but in a really eloquent way and putting a name to these feelings that I experienced a lot growing up in the suburbs, that sort of suburban ennui of like that, you know, loving the mall and this weird commercialism vibe. And like I particularly like, you know, had a shopping addiction. Basically, I wanted to fill the hole in my heart with something and that was shopping. Um, And also like I really love to like go out to eat and it wasn't so much about the food, but like being in my house felt lonely. There's like a lot to unpack there. But anyways, (laughs) Relax King's book um, talks about how, you know, things that may be objectively or, you know, sub, you know, objectively tacky to the world, for example, like the Cheesecake Factory or um America's Next Top Model, like things that we think of as like, you know, being quote unquote low class, but she, you know, she picks apart what it means, not only in a broader sense to be tacky and low class growing up, I think she's also just a few years older than me. um, And, you know, the early mid 2000s and really like coming of age around that time, but picking apart, you know, what does it mean 
to to love something um, and to appreciate it. And also, you know, what does art mean? It can all be very subjective. She also deals with some more heavy stuff as well, you know, while dealing with some lighter subjects about like what the Cheesecake Factory means to her. She makes it especially poignant because she talks about her abusive ex-husband. She talks about her tumultuous childhood and relationship with her parents. So it's not just all like, haha, whoa, look, everything is beautiful. But it's also sort of like recognizing the other, the privileges that she does have and continues to have while grappling with um, how far she's come to also, you know, become a writer and have this fantastic voice that we're able to read. And so this is a really, you know, great book where... You know, her story kind of comes alive throughout, not comes alive, it comes alive in each piece of the book, but um, her story is sort of, you know, linear in terms of growing up. We start a little bit more there to, you know, divorcing her husband and coming more into terms with herself in present day. And the film pairing that I have with that is Licorice Pizza, which just came out recently. Um, that is about a young boy who is like 15 and he falls in love with a 25-year-old girl who is played by Alana Haim and it's directed by Paul Thomas Anderson and it takes place in the Valley in the 70s. <laughs> Why I'm comparing it to Taki, um, not only because it, I think, takes a non-traditional love story and sort of plays with your idea of what it means, you know, to look on the outside and see something that might be like, again, objectively strange or weird, but subjectively, you get to know all the bits and pieces inside. Um, it also deals with waterbeds and the sort of tackiness, but beauty of the valley. You know, the valley is kind of notoriously known as being sort of tacky or like the lesser than part of Los Angeles. Anyways, at least subjectively speaking, um, but that also puts a really beautiful veneer and a beautiful look into things that might be considered tacky in the past, but gives you a new perspective of looking at that. Um, and our next book that we have, um, a little bit darker is called, ba or not, you know, they're all kind of dark in shades, you know, but also sort of uplifting in ways. Isn't that life? Um, Bathhouse by PJ Vernon. This is definitely more of a thriller. Our main care, or we have two main characters, Oliver and Nathan, who are in a couple. Um, Oliver, it, likes to attend a secret gay bathhouse in New York City. I say secret in the sense that he's like keeping, not only is it sort of like an undercover eyes wide shut, you know, wear masks and identities are kept secret club, but also from his husband because they are not in an open relationship. We get to see their alternating perspectives throughout the book as we learn, you know, how they came to be because they do seem like a very odd couple. Oliver is a recovering addict who sort of relies on his boyfriend, who they just have they call each other husbands and wear engagement rings but haven't actually been married long story short oliver has an uncomfortable sexual experience at the beginning that is starts out consensual and quickly turns unconsensual which he then you know has to report as a robbery but not give all the details we learn also that like while his partner may appear to be blind because of Oliver's perspective. We learn more from his partner's perspective. So there's the dual narration. There's the dual timelines because um, it's also, you know, it's very clear, you know, when Oliver is sort of in the past, but also when his past is coming to confront his future or his present. Um, there's a lot of unreliable narration that makes this exciting. There is a lot about, you know, what it means to love somebody, what it means to have a secret, what it means to rely on somebody um, because Oliver met Nathan um, just when he was getting sober, like literally his first or second week of sobriety. So like that's all complicated. Um, it's very emotional. It's very high paced, fast paced in the sense that despite playing around with different timelines, um, it's leading to a future conclusion that I won't spoil too much about. Um, so that's a really, you know, I don't want to say fun because again, there is some darker sexual tones to it. There is some domestic violence. There is sexual assault. 
but it's a thriller. And so it had, you know, take with that what you will. And the film pairing with that is an oldie, oldie, quote unquote oldie. I believe it came out in the early 90s. Um, the Talented Mr. Ripley, because again, we have this, um, while not as overtly homosexual relationship, because while it's clear that Oliver and Nathan are in a relationship in the book, I think that Ripley um, and the other character whose name I don't remember, you know, the Matt Damon character, uh, no, Matt Damon's Mr. Ripley, no, Jude Law's Mr. Ripley, the Matt Damon character, um, the sort of confusing boundary between friendship and relationship and secrets and what it means, you know, the perception of someone else and then what it's like to see that perception from someone else. Um, so a very, you know, homo- homoerotic tension, while not as overt as Bathhouse, still has that sort of like gay vibe, thriller vibe to it. Um, I didn't want to say, you know, Call Me By Your Name has that sort of like May, June, was it May, December, older man with a younger woman, uh, older man with a younger man relationship vibe, but much more romantic and not similar tone at all to Bathhouse. Our next book is Wish You Were Here by Jodi Pico. I love Jodi Pico. I've been reading her stuff since middle school. I mean, she's been writing books forever. Um, They all take place in New England. They all are usually pretty timely in the sense, you know, she's able to pump out one book a year, one book every other, you know, 12 to 18 months. So she's able to take, you know, contemporary events and play with them in real time. This one, Wish You Were Here, confronted COVID. And initially I was very skeptical about where this was going. It's about a young couple who has everything together. They're about to go on a vacation to the Galapagos. And I didn't read too much about the book before going into it. Um, and so they were supposed to be, sorry, just <laughs> lost my train of thoughts. They um, were supposed to be on this vacation together, but it's like right before the pandemic is happening. So all that is clear. The young woman, Diana, decides to go on this vacation anyways. Her boyfriend's like, you know, it's not going to be that bad. Um, he's actually a doctor, a resident doctor. So he doesn't go on the vacation with her and their time apart. You know, now she's stuck on an island in the Galapagos. And what happens with that? Um, there is a very big twist that I don't want to give away half, that happens sort of about midway through the novel that I did not expect and really shifts the perspective of the novel. So there were certain... Uh, again, not too much that I want to say about it, but if you're a fan of Jodi Pico, despite it sort of happening around the COVID pandemic and using that as a central plot point and central setting to the novel, I found that this was a unique enough perspective and a unique enough take um, and play on these COVID pandemic Um Again, I don't want to give too much away about it, but the what the perspective that Jody takes on the COVID pandemic is not something I have read, at least in fictional books um, lately. And so there were certain films that I could have paired with this, but that would have sort of given away what happens in the book. So I don't want to say that film, but maybe if you have read the book or you read it, you know what film I'm talking about. The book I do want to recommend, I mean, sorry, the film I do want to recommend is Wanderlust with Jennifer Aniston and Paul Rudd. I think they came out in like 2011 or 2012. It's a comedy. It's about, you know, these two, this couple that lives in New York City is fed up with their small studio and spending, you know, $5,000 for like a Murphy bed. So they decide to uproot and move to this commune that they visit in Georgia. Um, And it's it's sort of just about, you know, like what it means to uproot your life and move from like a city life and having all these boxes ticked off and just kind of going with the flow and what happens when you surrender to that wanderlust and love for travel. And last but certainly not least... The last book that I'm talking about is These Precious Days, Essays by Ann Patchett. I've read quite a few of Ann Patchett's books. I think they're all wonderful. Commonwealth, The Dutch House, um, Bel Canto. 
Belcanto. So some of these, the essays are just about life, about a lot of it focuses on like becoming a writer and what it really meant to like establish her identity. Um, I also didn't know um, because these are personal and while a lot of her novels deal with personal elements or I think Commonwealth was even a sort of fictionalized version of her childhood. These are personal essays. So she's very um, upfront about her own relationship with her mother and her father. Um, She has a very complicated family history and she's very, um, she has a stepfather and a father who were heavily involved in her life and contributed to the fact that she was such a successful writer in various ways. She talks a lot about what it means to be successful. She talks a lot about writing your first novel. She also deals with more, um, there's more, you know, quote unquote, off the beaten path um, essays, like one where she ends up striking an unlikely friendship with Tom Hanks's assistant. Um, so if you're in, if you've read Ann Patchett's work, if you're into more to sort if you're into reading stuff written by a writer for readers, you know, someone who also owns a bookstore and is interviews authors with the perspective of having bestsellers like Dream Life, basically, minus the like, I don't think I would want the stress of like writing that much fiction. Um, check this one out. The essays are definitely incredibly well written, incredibly poignant, the sort of thing that you can just pick up, read an essay. Some are way shorter than others. So you can kind of step in and out of the book. And because we're talking more of aesthetic pairings, I found that a lot of this book reminded me of the film 20th Century Women starring Annette Bening and Greta Gerwig and Timothy Chalamet and deals with women in the 20th century in the late 70s, um, just sort of, you know, dealing with what it means to be a woman in Santa Barbara and at different cusps in their lives and different points. And it's very just like, let's peel back the curtain and look at these everyday people and look find the beauty within the everyday moments. So I hope you enjoyed this sort of like wine and cheese movie and book pairing. Um, let me know if you liked that. I can definitely do that in the future. I think it's just because Girl Like a Bomb like really reminded me of Teton a lot. And then it sort of like spiraled off from there. I was like, let's make this a whole thing. Um, any ideas you have for episodes, books I should read, as always, let me know. Follow me on Goodreads. Make sure you are subscribed on YouTube and Apple Podcasts, all that fun stuff. And until next time, stay reading. Bye.